0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm one of your hosts, Sardana Ozpan, here with my friend Chabruta Ann Gordon. Our daft today, Masach Gitin, daf pe-bet, page 82. Well, we're about to begin our last paragraph, of Masach Gitin. Please look at our Facebook page, maybe on our email list, uh, or also our WhatsApp group for CM information, which will God willing take place on Sunday, August 13th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. in Israel. We have a wonderful guest speaker, uh, and we look forward to seeing all of you there. So let's begin with this last Mishnah of, well, it's not the last Mishnah, but the Mishnah kicking off our last pair. So here we have a different type of conditional divorce where the husband divorces his wife and he says to her, you know, while he's giving her the get, you are permitted to marry any man, Ella, right? Now we're gonna translate that into English as except, but we're gonna see the Gemara is going to try to understand what the word Ella actually means. For so and so. Rabbi Eliezer, Matir, Rabbi Eliezer allows this, right? And that allows her to basically remarry on this type of divorce. And the rabbis prohibit her from remarrying because their bond, right? The marriage bond is not completely uh, severed because she still has a condition she has to uphold to him in order to make this divorce valid in his mind. And therefore, this isn't considered a valid divorce. And so she cannot remarry. Kate said, yeah, says, so what should they do so that the divorce can, you know, be in place? <speaking> in <Hebrew> he should take it from her, the get, hand it to her and get and say, you're you were and say to her, <speaking in Hebrew> you can marry anybody. <speaking in Hebrew> if he wrote this condition in the get itself, <speaking in Hebrew> even if you then erased it, it's an invalid get and it needs to basically be rewritten. Now, what the Gemara is going to focus on here is this word of Ella, right? Iba'iluhu, hi Ella. What does this word Ella mean? Does it mean khutu? Does it mean accept? That in other words, the husband basically says, I'm going to divorce you, but I'm only going to permit you to marry a certain limited group of people, right? Hutz, right? Oh, al Or is it on the condition? In other words, he's giving her again, on the condition that she would not marry so-and-so. So So I I think this is a very difficult passage to read because practically I'm not clear what the difference is. And Anne, you're usually our linguist here, but this is like a subtlety in the Hebrew language itself, and we're talking about it in English. But again, it's not sure. They they don't love the term Ella. Does it mean chutz, right? That in other words, you can only be, uh, so I guess one is sort of like, it's a positive versus a negative. If you say it's chutz, it means these are the people you can marry. It's a limited group, but like you can marry these people, the me, right? Or is it alminat? In other words, you can get this divorce as long as you don't marry X, Y, and Z people. So chutzu ubechutzu de pliegi, right? So the Gemara now is basically going to say, right, does ella mean accept? And therefore, right, it's regard to the exception, uh, of a certain man from the divorce, de plagi rabbanan alei de rabbi eliezer. And that's the source of the machlokas between the rabbis and rabbi eliezer. Right? If he specifies that, you know, there's an exception of a certain man for the divorce, that's what it is. De ha shire la Because in that case, where the husband basically puts in that this exception, it's like he left out part of her get. Right? Since she's not permitted to remarry anyone she wishes, It doesn't completely sever the bond of marriage. But in the case, if we say it's on condition, Right? if it's on the condition that she will not marry a certain man, the rabbis would agree with Rabbi Eliezer that this should be a valid get because it's just like any type of condition, right? And again, what's shocking about this is, is the Gemara fully embraces the concept and the mission as well that there can be conditional gets, which again, to the modern learner is, you know, we don't like this at all, right? This is part of why we're in the position we are with Agunot is these types of conditions. I'll give you the get as long as you pay me money or things like that. But we, it's clear from the mission of Gemara that these types of conditions did actually exist. They weren't that type of extortion, but they did exist. So in other words, if it's an almanat, that would be a condition that is allowed. But if it's a khut, that's what the rabbis and, um, and 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 Rabbi are are actually having a disagreement about. So in order to solve this, and I'm not going to you know read this whole part. I'm a Ravina Toshma. So Ravina is basically Ravina is basically going to bring a Mishnah from Negaim, right? So again, it's so interesting. Well, I guess I will read all of it, right? Where they bring a you know a sample from a halacha parallel that seems to totally not have anything to do with what we're talking about, right? Right, All houses can become ritually impure with leprous sword. Remember, the house can have, you know, a house can get seraph, can get leprosy, uh, except for those, right, goyim, except for the one belonging to a non-Jew. And now they're going to say, okay, what does Ella mean in the context of this Mishnah? If you say that the word Ella is except, then this Mishnah is understood mitamu mitamu Right? If you say it means on the condition, then what the Mishnah means is houses of Jews become impure only on the condition that houses of non-Jews do not become impure. mitamu Right? So therefore, if the houses of of of, of non-Jews become impure. Then the houses of Jews do not become impure. So, in other words, Ravina is basically saying Ella can't. It mean, must mean accept. It can't mean on condition, because then this Mishnah wouldn't make any wouldn't make any sense. The Gemara is going to go on to explain this and give another objection uh, to this interpretation of, of the Mishnah. Um, and it's interesting to see what they do. But again, it's one of these wonderful passages where they're paying very close attention to the language of the Mishnah itself and how you understand that language actually impacts what's wrong here. Like what is the issue uh, with this type of, of get, but it all depends on, it's all focused on the understanding of this one particular word.
1: I think also Ella is one of those words that very often we assume we know what it means. And then also very often it's used in a slightly more complicated way. So the fact that it hinges here uh, like we're not going to be the first people, obviously, to stumble over it because that's what the government is doing here.
0: Yeah, it's exactly what the is doing. And then the am of course, well, the commentators will spend a lot of time trying to understand this as well.
1: Okay, I'm going to move on to Amabet. We're kind of in the middle of Amabet. We have a dilemma that's presented by Rabbi Abba. And I don't want to read the beginning of it inside, but basically it's a case of Kidushin. And it's a case of kiddushin where the question is, um, you know, how is it going to be that when a, when the man makes this woman betrothed this woman, right? Then he fundamentally is making her forbidden to everybody else, right? So then, what happens for this woman? And, and the gemara is going to then, you know, embark on some discussion over this overall. I do find it fascinating that we're like already in the kiddushin discussion before we're in the Kidushin Masachat, um, which I think is a little surprising, except for that it also then comes to really relate to divorce. And that's of course the main discussion here. So what happens? Jumping down, um let's see to where. Let's come to there's a, you'll see there's a space that says on our intim salomar Abba. So again, it's referring back to this case of Rebi Abba, but that's not really the part that I wanted to to focus on. So the the case, and again, this was Rabbi Abba's case, where a person comes and betroths a woman and says, Perhaps I didn't elaborate on this well, that he's excluding so and so. What does it mean is he's excluding so-and-so? She's forbidden to everybody, right? That's what Kushin is, except except now we'll, you know, add somebody in who he's gonna betroth her with an exception, except. His brother Shimon. So, you Dana. I feel like now everybody should be jumping up and down, saying, "What, right? Like this is insane to say that you could have a betrothal that would be on your own behalf, right? You're going to marry this woman, but you're going to allow her to be permitted to somebody who is not the who, who is not you. Meaning, however many people there are in the world, she's supposed to be exclusionary just with the person who's betrothed her. And this seems to have this exception. So that case of Rabbi Abi, understand that why everybody's all upset about it. And now Shimon comes and betroths her, saying that she is forbidden to everybody except for Ruvain. Now, the fact that this is even a possible case is, as I say, somewhat bizarre. But let's play it through, right? Now, both of them die. So Ruvain die. they die because they've been betrothed. They haven't been married. They don't have children they die without children, she's now going to have Yibum with Levi. We'll note the biblical names, Ruving, Shimon, Levi, right, we could go all 12. However, in this case, right, we don't give her this label of being the wife of two who have died, right? This concern of, you know, how many people die, and then she ends up being having Yibum and, and Yibum, right? This was a situation that we saw it in Yavamot. And there's other places where there's a concern that uh, right she's considered, she ends up being like a, a killing wife, right? Meaning if too many men are dying on her watch, so to speak. But in this case, that's not what happened at all, right? She was, however, this works out. She's betrothed to two people at the same time. So the girl says, my Tama, how is it that she's not the wife of two two men who have died? de deruven ahanu, de Shimon lo ahanu. So it's like this. It says, if, the betrothal to Ruven is what took effect and forget about the betrothal to Shimon it should never have you know been possible to begin with It doesn't make her forbidden to anybody except it doesn't make her forbidden to anybody that she wasn't already forbidden to right because she was already betrothed to Ruven with his exception of Shimon, which is as I said strange but but then by becoming also betrothed to Shimon to the exclusion of everybody except for Ruving nothing has changed in her um Availability, shall we say? Again, a very, very strange case. So then, what is the case of the wife of two men who have died? Right? How does that work out? So again, Ruvain comes and he betroths a woman with an exception for Shimon. Right? She's forbidden to everybody except for Shimon. And then Uvashimon vikicha stam. And now Shimon comes and betroths her without specifying anybody. There's no chutzmi. there's no exception to. And then the kidushi Reuven Ahanu L'mesra Alma. So then Reuven's kidushin is effective, right? It makes her prohibited to everybody except for Shimon. The Kiddushin to Shimon Ahanu L'mesra Aruven, but Shimon's uh, betrothal, really also prohibits her from Reuven because he's done a proper betrothal which prohibits the woman to everybody except for the person her. Now, the problem with this, of course, is how is it even possible that a second betrothal will take effect after the first betrothal is in place? right? And that's this case of Rabbi Abba, again, going back to the top of the, the, it's not the top of the daf, it's the middle of the daf, but the beginning of this discussion where we and where it really is like a, a dilemma to begin with of how can this even possibly work um, and uh, yeah that's I, I don't have any beautiful solution here um, except to say that we wouldn't allow this to happen nowadays that's for sure.
0: Yeah I mean I, I think what is becoming clear to me is there were practices around get that were allowed that today are really, not allowed or like not considered to be anything that we would endorse um and that's hard to read
1: right and i will add of course the Gemara goes on i'm not reading because it goes on to the next off really but the next discussion is what happens when you when this betrothals are going to end in divorce but they're as opposed to the case of what if they both died what happens when you want to end up divorcing and how how does that work I'm still very troubled. And I'm sure, I'm sure if this were not Dafyomi and we were doing an intensive IUN, you know, delving into all the sources, we would understand but much better. You know, it, it's, it's the downside of Dafyomi to not be able to, like, really go to the depths to figure out how is it possible? What, by what mechanism does a second betrothal take place while the first betrothal is st- still in effect?
0: Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank us, review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Revenee Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hajim website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking time with Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn.